so honored not only is he there but he's all over this country and the nations of the world and just in brazil and some different places and so blessed to have him back here at one life amen would you give him a good god bless you as he comes tonight bishop bless you sir come on praise the lord glory come on praise be to god hallelujah give him glory amen we just lift it toward heaven. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Amen? Yeah. Amen. It is, I, I am the one that's honored. You can be seated. I am so honored to be here. Um, there's so much that I would, that I can say tonight. And uh, I want to be just very, very careful not to uh, unload everything tonight, Pastor. Amen. Uh, but, um, you know, several things that I've learned in life. And, and I am, I, I've learned that for me to fulfill what God has called me to do, he has some people that I call provisional relationships that he connects me with on my journey. And uh, I want you to know uh, that your pastor, Bishop, is one of those in my life. Pastor Brian Matthews is an amazing man of God. Amen. Amen. Come on. And... And, and we met through a mutual friend. We got connected through a mutual friend, but that was, the, that was a whole God thing, and it was a God set up. And I know I'm better in life because of him. So it's an honor, an honor to be here with his, his dad, Pastor C.T., and all your years of ministry, I just give honor to that. And three generations sitting here, Jordan sitting over here spreading his wings and, and wanting to fly, and God's calling and anointing on his life. It's a joy to be part of that. Amen? And I'm glad to see you gentlemen here. I am so honored to, uh, to be a part of that. I am from Washington State. I always emphasize state, uh, not the chaos. Okay, Washington State. All right, and uh, and I'm grateful to be here from Washington, and I have a deep, deep passion for men. I thought I'd take just a moment or two and and read a couple things to you before we dive into the Word. Is that all right? Yes. All right. Uh, married 36 years. Tell you a little bit about me. I got two daughters and two son-in-laws. I got two sons. Finally, I got a six-pack of grandkids. I gave up on this six-pack, moved to another one. All right, and uh, I have a great group of kids that love God. Uh, my children are involved in ministry, and, and I'm just very, very blessed. Uh, to be where I am today. Born not far from here. I was born in Tazewell County, Richlands, Virginia. Uh, so I was, I'm an East Coast guy that moved West Coast when I was young and I've been out there all the rest of my life. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, let, me let me read you something. Men are like, men are like placemats. They only show up when there's food on the table. Men are like mascara. <laughs> they usually run at the first sign of emotion. Men are like bike helmets. They're handy in an emergency, but otherwise they, they just look silly. <laughs> Can we just have some fun a little bit? Okay, come on. Are you all right? Okay, if I offend you, we'll, we'll help you out a little bit later in the altar. All right. Uh, men are like government bonds. They take so long to mature. Come on. Uh, men are like parking spots. The good ones are taking and the rest are handicapped. I don't know what you're going to do with that one. All right. Men are like copiers. You need them for reproduction, but that's about it. <laughs> Only half the crowd laughed on that one. All right. All right. Men's are, men are like lava lamps. Fun to look at, but not very bright. <clears throat> men are like bank accounts. Without a lot of money, they don't generate much interest. <laughs> All right. Uh, men are like high heels. They're easy to walk on once you get the hang of it. <laughs> come on, come on. How to be a guy. Our phone conversations only last 30 seconds flat. You know stuff about tanks. 
A five-day vacation only takes one suitcase. Yes, sir. Come on. You can open all your own jars. Come on. Come on. Dry cleaners and hair cutters don't rub you blind. I do my own hair nowadays. Come on. Are you with me? Come on. Uh, You can go to the bathroom without a support group. Come on. (laughs) You doing all right? Uh, you, You can leave the motel bed unmade. Is that a good one? Come on. You can kill your own food. Come on. There's a roar. Okay. Uh, You get extra credit for the slightest act of thoughtfulness. Come on. Wedding plans make themselves. Come on. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, If someone forgets to invite you to something, he or she can still be your friend. Your underwear is $10 for a (laughs) three-pack. We're doing okay? All right. See, it's getting better. Okay. Um, you can enjoy a, you can quietly enjoy a car ride from the passenger seat. Three pairs of shoes is more than enough. Okay. I can't say that, but most, most guys can. Okay. Um, you don't have to clean your apartment if the meter reader is going to be there. <laughs> car mechanics tell the truth. Come on. Uh, you can quietly watch a game with your buddy for hours without ever thinking he must be mad at me. <laughs> Come on. All right. Wedding dress, $2,000. Tuxedo, 75 bucks. Come on. Yeah, are we doing okay? Okay. When you drop by to see a friend, you don't have to bring a gift. Come on. If another guy shows up to the party in the same outfit, you, you just might become lifelong friends. <laughs> Your pals can be trusted to never trap you with the phrase, so do you notice anything different? Come on. Come on. Am I at the right group right now? All right. Come on. You're not expected to know the names of more than five colors. You know, (laughs) come on. Magenta, chartreuse. What's that about? Right. You know, Um, you don't have to stop and think of which way to turn a nut on a bolt. Most of the time. Right. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Okay. You're unable to see wrinkles in your clothes. Boy, that's a big one right there, isn't it? What's wrong with this? You know, right, right? Come on. Uh, you have the same hairstylist that lasts for years and years, maybe, de- maybe uh, decades. You don't have to shave below your neck. <laughs> Everybody doing okay? <laughs> All right. At least a few belches are expected and tolerated. Come on. Your belly usually hides your big hips. <laughs> And here's one, you can do your nails with a pocket knife. Come on. And uh, I like this one. Um, Christmas shopping can be accomplished for 25 relatives on December 24th in 45 minutes. (laughs) Is that about right? And here's one for you. There's a guy walking on a beach one day, and, and he came across a piece of metal, a piece of brass sticking out of the sand. And so he stopped, kind of kicked it around, pulled it out. And sure enough, it was, um, it was a genie lamp. And he thought, wow, as he was brushing it off, I mean, you know what happened, right? A genie pops out. And this genie pops out, and it's like, hey, this is exciting. I finally found one. I get three wishes. He said, yes, you do. You get three wishes. And he gets ready to wish, and he says, oh, but wait a minute. There's a catch. And he said, what is it? And he said, whatever you ask for, your mother-in-law gets double. Oh, he got mad. He threw the lamp down and he didn't even like his mother-in-law. He said, mother-in-law gets double. How is this? And, and so finally he got over and he says, okay, I wish for a million dollars. 
Okay, boom, he got a million dollars. His mother-in-law gets two million. Now he's mad, you know? And he's thinking, man, I, you know, I want to do something better. I want, I want a nice three-bedroom house on a lake with five acres. Boom, he got a house on a lake, three-bedroom with five acres. He said, your mother-in-law gets a six-bedroom house with 10 acres, right adjoining your property on the same lake. And now he's really mad. And he thinks and he thinks and he thinks and, and is waiting for the third wish. And the third wish isn't coming. Finally, the genie says, listen, you know, time's wasting. Let's, you know, you got to get on with it. I've got to get on with my life. And he said, okay, I got it. I got my third wish. And he said, what do you wish for? He said, I want to be beat half to death. <sighs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> Anybody else still getting that one? Okay. <laughs> she gets double. Amen. All right. Uh, I want you to look with me into Malachi chapter four, and I, I'm going to share a word with you um, tonight. Laughter does good like a medicine. I, just, I really believe. I, I really believe we need to laugh more. You know, studies will tell us when we're young, we laugh a lot more than we do when we get older. And, and I think really, if we can't laugh at ourselves, we shouldn't laugh at anything else. I think sometimes we take ourselves way too seriously because we're not going to get out of here alive. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm on I'm the other side of something, man, and, and Jesus already set me free, all right? And I can, I can enjoy the journey. And so, so let, me, let me encourage you. Always learn to laugh. So sometimes in the morning I get up and look in the mirror and just laugh. Come on, just start right there. Just say, man, this thing's funny. This is good. This could be a good day, all right? And, and that's me. I, I think uh, life should be fun, and we should enjoy the journey. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I, I feel like you've sent me here on assignment. Uh, I just believe I'm here, God, to bring a divine word. And so, Father, um, let me articulate your thoughts, your anointing, your presence, God. Uh, clearly, let your word have preeminence and prominence in us, among us, and through us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 I do have a deep, deep passion for men. I'll tell you just a little bit about, you know, probably part of why uh, for my life. Um, my father was uh, backslid away from God. My father, when I was young in grade school, was one of the board members of our local church. Uh, but he and, in fact, a number of men in the church kind of exited the church for most of my formidable years. So my dad was there, taught me hunting and fishing and a lot of things. But my mom took me to church. My mom was constantly there taking me to church. And, and about eight years ago or so, God began, maybe even 10, God began to put a deep passion in my heart for men. So let me tell you where I, where I speak from. I realized, I think it was because of a, an absent spiritual mentor and father in my life. There were a lot of years I didn't have that. Somebody with me? Okay. And I realized the great need for that and decided, God, I want to be that. And I want to help men. And this is a phrase I love to, to use is I want to see men fully alive and fully engaged. Come on. And I love this around here. One life. Come on. Uh, come on. I, I love the roar. Come on. Come on. We're supposed to roar, right? We're supposed to be, come on. We're supposed to be men, right? Real men, right? And, and so the reality is fully alive and fully engaged. And so that's the passion and the drive of my heart. I look at America today, and we're a mess. We're a mess, all right? But see, our, our problem is not um, sexual identity confusion. Our problem is not drugs 
Pastor Rich and I were just talking and talking about the whole idea of marijuana. My state just legalized marijuana. They decided if they're going to be sold, they're going to tax it. You know, so uh, so that's what's happening in the Northwest. But but it's not about a drug issue. Come on, it's not about a gang issue. Our issue in America, those are all symptoms to the core. The core is fatherlessness. Come on. I, I believe that with everything in me. And, and when I say that, I, I don't care where you're at on the journey. Can, can I tell you something? The Bible says a just man falls seven times and rises up again. So it doesn't matter what it's, what's behind you or how much you've, what's happened behind you that you feel like a failure for. Paul said in Philippians, this one thing I do. He said, I'm not everything I'm supposed to be, but the one thing I do is I forget what's behind me and I press forward to what lies ahead. Come on, is everybody with me? So in, in, in my phrase, I'm either up or I'm getting up. Come on, I failed plenty of times as a dad. I failed plenty, come on, right here. I failed plenty of times as a father. I've messed things up a number of times, but I figured it out. Okay, if I fall, get your butt back up. Come on, right? I'm going to get up and I'm going to go do this thing. And that's my passion for you today. My passion is that we will be everything God has called us to do and be and be beyond. We'll move beyond what our culture says we're supposed to be because our culture doesn't know who we are. Come on. Is everybody with me? I mean, it's, it's very, very important for us. So he says here in Malachi, um, he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, verse 5 of chapter 4, uh, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the, you've heard it before probably, right? The hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, okay? Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Come on, you with me? Now, I think that's significant verses because it's the last verses in the Old Testament before 400 years of silence. There's some powerful things being said right here. And he's saying, I will send you Elijah. Now, jump with me to Matthew chapter 11. And I'll show you something, verse 12. And I'll lay a foundation for what's in my spirit tonight. And so he says, it's, it's an important thing. I'm sending you Elijah, and he's going to do something. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And then the children to the fathers. And then he says, if this does not happen, the earth will be smitten with a curse. And this thing has just echoed in me for years. And I begin to look at it and begin to unpack it. The, the greatest um, um, way to understand the Bible is with the Bible. Is anybody with me? Right? right? How do I want to interpret a verse? Find another verse. Is anybody else with me, right? There's a whole lot of guys out there want to tell me what something means, and they get way out there sometimes. Come on. But when I look at the word, look at the New Testament, Matthew 11, verse 12, he says this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Everybody with me? And the violent, take I hear a roar right there. Come on. Uh, the violent, uh, you know, take it by force. Come on. Come on. I was just with a young man. Uh, just He was helping me redo a roof on my rental home here recently. And, and I've, he's been in and out of drugs and in and out of drugs. And, and I'd send him to Teen Challenge programs while he's clean now and serving the Lord. And I'm on the roof with him. And he's working away. And, and, and we're working. And he said, man, it got so intense in my house the other day. It got so much. Finally, he said, I said, enough. This kid's, you know, just newly serving the Lord. And he said, devil, you're out of here. And he went and kicked the door open. And he said, I started kicking every door open. and said, devil, you're out. And I thought, there's the violence right there. Come on. And he said, you're out. No more. My family's going to make it. Everything's going to be okay. But it took a rising up. The violent take it by force. Come on. Are you with me? For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, if you're willing to receive it, and this is a key phrase, if you're willing to receive it, he 
is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, when we look at this, he wasn't saying Elijah's going to come in the flesh again, although we know the, the prophets in the last day. We're not talking about that. Is everybody with me? He's saying there's, there is a spirit of Elijah that is going to come. Come on, I want you to hear this. There is a spirit of Elijah that, it, oh man, I want to preach tonight. Come on. That is, that is to come. And he said that spirit of Elijah was upon John. And John was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. John was one who was given two sure things. <laughs> Come on, a sure cry and a sure death. John was one who fed upon not pulled pork, come on, but locust and honey, come on. John was a man who said, I can decrease so that he might increase. John was an Elijah spirit. There was something upon John that was the Elijah spirit that Malachi talked about. And he connected generations. Are you here? It's not about me living for today or living for myself. There come a place in time where I matured and I begin to get connected and realize it's all about the next generation. Come on. I look around. I see the second row. You know, come on. And these young men on the second row. I'm going, yes, I'm loving this. These young men are in church on a Friday night at a men's conference. Come on. That's exciting to me. That's really exciting to me. So we begin to look at this and I say, why did he choose Elijah? He could have said the spirit of, and he chose a lot of Old Testament prophets, but he chose the spirit of Elijah. Why? Elijah to Elisha was the model God wanted reproduced. Somebody with me? He didn't just, you know, because I, I used to get, anybody else get discouraged reading the Old Testament sometimes? One king rose up and served God, and they did some great things, and the next king rose up and didn't serve God. And I'm going, man, this thing's like a, a yo-yo, you know, one generation and the next generation. Well, that was never God's intent. God's intent was the curse was to stop at our generation. And we were to move from glory to glory. My ceiling, come on, should be the floor that my children start in. If that doesn't happen, then we create a genesis. Every generation is trying to figure it out. Come on. When we're left in a vacuum, I, in many ways, was left in a vacuum trying to figure it out. Come on. And I all of a sudden realized, I got to figure it out because I got somebody coming up after me. And I'm walking my son-in-law through a, a really difficult church thing right now. Man, he called me this weekend. I mean, literally, there was a moment where I thought, is he not talking? And I realized he was just weeping. And I'm there. Daddy's, come on. He make mess, I'll get messed up right now in just a moment. Daddy's there. Okay, I'm going to help you, buddy. What do you, what do you, I'm with you. I believe in you. And some, come on, sometimes we need to hear that. Somebody with me? I'm going somewhere with this. You see, can I just unload? Is that, you, is that all right? You see, the curse is a generational disconnect. The curse, you know, and I want to ask, but we've all had difficulty and conflict in our families. In fact, I'm, here's, here's what I'm convinced of. All families are dysfunctional. I really, now, my dysfunction, my, I might be functional where you're dysfunctional, right? You might have, you might have a good area, and I, but I think we all just need Jesus. Come on. And I think we have conflict and we think we have trouble. Come on. Is everybody with me? But if I let it disconnect us generationally. Now, Boy, I just wasn't planning to use all my life in this, but um, I handed my, my, my church over to my son-in-law. It's a good thing. Spent almost 20 years pastor in the church I grew up in, handed it off. And it wasn't just a, just a couple years. He wasn't listening to anything I had to say. 
And there were moments in time, Pastor, when I was on the phone with him, I'm going to reach through the phone and wring his neck. You know, it's like, you know, it's like I'm going to send you to Jesus right now. You know, are you, are you with me, right? There were moments where I was like, I am just, I, I cannot handle this anymore. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Come on. I'm going to hurt you. We'll pray for you later, right? Come on. We kept working, and we kept working. We're closer today than we've ever been in our whole lives. Somebody with me? We're covenant people that work through it. Because when there's generational disconnect, it leaves someone out there. And I'm really, I'm convinced in my heart, the core root of homosexuality and the gender confusion today, I know there's a spirit at work, but I think it's the result of a vacuum of good male leadership. That's in the depths of my heart, I believe. Now, if you have somebody in your family that's, that's, that's affected in that way, don't, don't walk away in shame and don't walk away and say, oh, my God, what did I No, I'm not talking about that. I have people in my family. I, I have a niece that, that married another gal. She's a lesbian, and that's, that's what that is. That's where that, and I know it's a spirit, but I also know the home she was raised in. Somebody. So it is absolutely essential that we get this. Now, I'm going to take you to one other verse, and that is 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Man, I hope this is going to make some sense to you today because I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about three questions we ask, and I've already saw some of them on the screen. Rich, you asked. You spoke one of them, and I thought, okay, God, I got it. This is good. I got it. You confirmed something for me, so thank you. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. I desire, therefore... That the men, I want you to get this, that the men pray everywhere. Now, let me just pause for a moment. Sometimes when it says men, it's talking about humanity. Right? Men or women? It's not here. The very next verse and says, and likewise the women, but he first says, I'm talking to the men. He's talking about a male here. Throughout the New Testament, it will say man, men, or husband with this Greek word. Come on. Is everybody with me? He's talking about the men, okay? He said, I desire that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Come on. Now, now you begin to look at this verse. I'm talking about the, the Elijah spirit, and we begin to look at this. Here again, he's saying men roar. Here, here's what he said. He's saying, men, get out of the shadows. Men, step up. Come on. Now, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know about your context and your church service, but most, and I go all over the nation, you know, most of the time, women are much more engaged in worship than men. Can I just, can I just talk to you? Come on. Uh, and, and, and most of the time, that's the case. Now, here he said, men, lead. I want the men to pray everywhere. Now, now let's just we're gonna unpack it. Can we just unpack it? Let's look at this. Men, gender specific. Pray. Prayer is not an event, but a relationship. Can I go there for just a minute? In the New Testament, the scribes and Pharisees wanted to make a pretense over their praying. Man, they could pray some great prayers, but they were hip, hypocrites. I've been around people that know how to pray King James prayers, but they're not walking in the spirit of Christ. Can I go there for just a little bit? I'm talking about a relationship. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about a moment or, or now I lay me down to sleep or the re- reciting of the Lord's prayer. I'm talking about somebody who knows how to get a hold of God. I'm talking about somebody that moves from pride to a place of humility and says, God, I'm blind, but you see. God, I'm weak, but you're strong. God, I'm coming to you because you are the one that will meet my need. I'm talking about men 
who know what it is to lay hold of the horns of the altar and know how to pray. I'm talking about men that say, I got this thing. This, I'm not, my house is not going to happen like this anymore. I'm going to speak the things of God. Come on, are you with me? And we, there is an authority in a man's voice when we begin to speak. That's why the enemy wants us to be quiet. The enemy wants to remind us of what we did yesterday, last night, last week, or 30 years ago. He wants to shame us out of being engaged because we will destroy his kingdom. Come on, little bitty devil, great big God. And the great big God in me, that means he that is in me is greater than he that's in the world. There is something about coming alive when men know how to pray. I took our church and I followed my pastor. He was the only pastor I knew my whole life. And, uh, and, and when I look back, I think he overstayed. I don't think he knew what else to do. And he just kept trying to lead the church in his later years. His wife passed away. And, and uh, when it was all said and done, there were four men in the church. And I was one of the men. Most of the men had abdicated their roles. I was the only man on our board. My, my mom and my aunt and me. Oh, God. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? And men had abdicated their role. Come on. Now, I'm not talking about men being superior. Is everybody with me? We're all created equal. I, I, don't, I, I just really believe women have a vital role in the kingdom. But I believe men go first. I, I'm the first. Men pray. Come on. Men pray. It's not an event. It's a relationship. Come on. And, and you figure that out. Can I, can I just go there for a moment? You figure that out. Bro, was it Brother Lawrence that wrote the book? Uh, Brother Lawrence was, uh, if I remember, I got the, the gentleman right. He, he never prayed more than five minutes. But he never went more than five minutes without praying. Sometimes he would be at lunch with someone and he'd pause and say, man, it's been 10 minutes since I've thought of our Lord. Jesus, I just, and he just would break into this place of prayer. And that's what he did. And then there was a guy around the turn of the century named John Hyde. He became known as Praying Hyde because he found it a privilege. When he got a hold of the Holy Ghost, come on, he answered his call into the seminary and into missions before he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. But when he got baptized in the Holy Ghost, he started praying all night. And he considered it a privilege when God would let him stay up all night long in prayer. Come on. Can I say that one more time? He considered it a privilege that God would keep him from sleeping, and he'd be up sometimes three to five nights a week. He would not sleep at all, and he would stay up in prayer. Now, I just give you two totally different extremes, five minutes at a time and all night long. It doesn't matter. We work out the details. He just said relationship. Come on. Is everybody with me? Come on. Look at this. Now, now he said, and here's the interesting thing. He said everywhere. Everywhere. That's really interesting because the word means a fixed position from a place to a place. Now think about that for a moment. A bridge, or let me think, covering? Aren't we supposed to be a covering? Come on. Don't I sanctify my home? Come on. Do I sanctify my home? I sanctify my I read it, it says everywhere. I'm the covering. When I walk into the room, peace has arrived. Come on. When I walk into the room, joy has arrived. When I walk into the room, grace has arrived. I'm here, man. I'm not moving. I'm going to be like Paul. None of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear to my. I'm here. I'm praying. And I'm everywhere. Come on. Listen to this. Lifting up holy hands. Prominence. 
I loved you. Several of you said tonight, let's just lift your hands. Guys, we should be in the habit of being the first ones to get our hands in the air. Can I just go there? See, because we'll never fulfill God's call in our life being, un- being comfortable. We've got to always be uncomfortable lifting holy hands. Come on. Come on. Out of this. We're way too comfortable being in the shadows. Now, now I want you to think about this. Now, when we're not confident in who we are, and we're going to go there in a moment, we'll often just, I'm good right here. Come on. I'm good. Show up. I'll sit in the back. I'll sit in the corner. Come on. My wife wants to volunteer something. That's all good. I'm just here. No, no, no. We lead. We lead. Come on, somebody with me. I lead, I lead, I lead. Come on. I, I lift up. And this is a sign of surrender. We know that. Come on. But a sign of worship and we go on. Look at this. Come on. Come on. See, all my years I used to, I just see women leading where men should. My mom was a lot happier when she was no longer on my church board. I was a lot happier too. Come on. <laughs> Come on. We need men leading. Okay, women only want relieved from bad male leadership. When it's good leadership, they said, I got it. I'm I'm covered. I got it. Come on, somebody with me. But I would watch it time and time again. When people wanted counseling, it was the wife that would show up first. I got this. How many times do you, come on. Anybody in the room that has trouble asking for help? I'm talking to men right now, right? Right? No, I got this. Come on. Come on, are you with me? See, that's an act of humility. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said the only way we get into the kingdom is through humility. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Come on, I'm the first. Here I am. I'm the first. What do you need, pastor? I'm ready. Come on, are are you with me? Is that making sense to somebody? Come on. Without wrath. Oh, boy, do we just need to go there? See, one of the biggest issues today in America for men is what? Truth, right? It's anger. But can I go just a little bit further? And then we've got anger management classes. I'm not sure I'm sold on that. Personally, now, I mean, I know we can probably try to help you manage it, but I, I believe God wants to relieve it. Come on. I believe God just wants to get rid of it. Anger is a secondary emotion. It's not primary. Come on. Anger is, what, anger is what's, what's, being, what's being projected, but it's really not anger at the heart. It's insecurities. Come on. It's hurt. Come on. How many times do we, you, you slam your finger with a hammer, you get mad. You're really hurting is what's really going on. And the emotion that's being exhibited, he says, without wrath. Now, the other, the other part of that is this, it's, it's we learn how to resolve that in back to the relationship in prayer. I don't have to carry that. And now, can, can I just, here, here's Dwayne's confession. Um, I can become a different person on the freeway with crazy drivers. Come on. Somebody that puts my family in jeopardy, I want to rip their liver out. Come on. Is anybody else in the house, right? I'm going to come and get you, right? 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 Okay. So I know that's an issue for me. So I have to learn to be, come on, without wrath. Come on. And without what? Doubting. Do you see this? So I'm going to, I'm going to unpack this just a little bit further. Look at this. Without doubting. And the word literally means the thinking of a man deliberating with himself. Now, I want you to get that. Did you know every day there's a question we ask ourselves internally? Every day, men ask this question. Do I have what it takes? Think about it. Do I have what it takes? Can I do this? A year ago? Probably asked that a lot more. Getting ready to launch a a campus in Nitro. Do I have what it takes? 
And we usually waffle back and forth. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. Anybody else? Come on. See, see, there's a question we have. See, without doubting. Now, now, here's the thing. This is why generational connectivity is so important. I need someone that believes in me. And, and, and I'll talk about the double enunciation. I need a voice from heaven, and I need a voice from earth. Jesus didn't do anything, not one miracle. He didn't begin his ministry until he was baptized of Elijah, come on, of John, and he came up out of the water, and the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Come on. When he got the okay, he launched. Is everybody with me? See, now, can I, I'm just going to leave my notes for a second. I want to go, we're going to camp there. Can I camp there for just a moment? Everybody doing okay? I want you, I want you to hear this. See, in America, we got this thing called the Declaration of Independence. I don't need nobody. Come on. Now I'm for the Declaration of Independence, but I think it gets extreme. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I was a young minister, and that's what I felt like. Jordan, don't ever let it be for you, man. I was a young guy in my early 20s, man, and somebody said, maybe you need to get credentials and start preaching. And my first thought, Pastor CT, my first thought was, I don't need nobody to tell me what, that I anointed a God. My God, that's that. That's a young guy. I'm ready to go. But it was a culture. Where I, don't, I don't need anybody. I got it. I got this. Right, right, right. We do. There are times I just need somebody to look at me and say, I believe in you. See, that's why we got to be in relation when there's generational disconnect. I mean, you know what it means to have Pastor CT sitting here tonight? And every now and then I hear him say amen from what I'm delivering. I'm the young guy here. Come on. But I need need the validation in relationship of a previous generation that helps. Come on. Come on. That validates where I am. And every now and then I might need somebody to say, man, I believe in you. You and And I mean that, Rich. I believe in you. I believe in this man. I believe in what you're doing. I know what you're walking in, man. And I, I, believe, I remember when I spoke over you back in, what was it, October? That was, a, that was a pretty powerful night, wasn't it? And there's that moment where, hey, I just need somebody to, right? And see, we all need that. But our culture says, no, I got this. I got this. No, you don't got this. No, because he who isolates himself rages against wisdom. It's right in Scripture, right? Come on. And when I'm isolated, I'm easy. Come on. I'm easy. Pray from the end of me. All right? And so there's a picture of me being connected here so that someone believes in me. And I'm not doubting myself anymore. I can do this. Because when I was first called, guys, it's bare my heart to you. It's like, my Lord, what? Public speaking? Standing in front of people. Anybody else? I mean, and you want me to do what? And see, the enemy, the enemy is so afraid of reproduction. Kind produces kind. Courage produces courage. See, and in that, whatever giants we're not facing, we're serving. And strapping the next generation with. Because if I don't solve courage in my generation, I release it into the next generation. But when I solve it, then I can come speak to the next generation. Somebody? You, you getting that? 
You see, that's powerful. That means I got to resolve whatever it is that's going on behind me. And here's the three questions we ask. Are you ready? Okay, who am I? Because the, here's, my, here's what I'm convicted of. Most men live two li- have two lives. They have the life they're living and deep inside them the life they want to live. Come on. Think about it for a minute. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Come on. Right? Two lives. And we ask these questions. Well, number one, who am I? And it's identity. Who am I? So I'm coming back to not doubting. I'm talking about living a life that really I'm alive. When people ask me how I'm doing, I am doing great. Come on. I'm getting older. Come on. And some of those signs of getting older. When your knees buckle, but your belt won't, you know, that's one of the signs of getting older. Come on, right, right? Uh, but, but I'm doing great because I'm alive. I'm doing today, right this moment, what God has asked me to do. Something happened in me a number of years ago, and I broke outside of a box and says, God, I'm going to be all you want me to be. I'm going to live the life that's on the inside of me. There's life on the inside of you that God wants to, re- oh, you got to hear me tonight. There's something inside of you that God wants you to break out of this thing and start living what he's been writing in your heart. Come on, to the fullness, not just, not just comfortable, not just easy. Oh, I'm just getting along. Well, you know, I'm, I'm making it. I got a job and, you know, I got the family. No, no, what is it that God wants to launch that's on the inside of you? Come on, who am I? It comes from two sources. Does God believe in me? Absolutely. But am I generationally connected to someone who will believe in me? Come on. Do I have somebody speaking into me? Now, if I'm not confident in who I am, I'm busy trying to get act, affirmation and accolades, and I'm not giving them. Do you understand the shift right there? How many know it was a great day when your children learned to feed themselves? Right? You know, every now and then we hear people say, well, pastor's not feed me or whatever. That probably never happens at One Life because you guys are amazing. But you still have it? Okay. But hey, T.D. Jakes has had people leave him to his church because they weren't getting fed. Right? It's like, okay, I'm in good hands. Okay. But the reality is it's a good day, and maturity is a sign of showing up at church to feed and not be fed. Is somebody with me? Right, 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 right. And so the reality is that if I'm just looking for the accolades and the pat on the back, then that's a maturity issue or something I need to solve on the inside. I may need a little touch every now and then, but I should be giving out a whole lot more than I'm taking in. And I'm generationally connected there. Does that, is that connecting? Does that make sense? See, who am I? If I, if I don't know who I am and I'm having that internal doubting, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I'm over here, and I'm in a great church service, and God says, I want you to do this. And then I step outside the anointing, and fear just freaks me out, and I go back into my box. Come on. And then a few years or a few months later, I hear God say something, and, 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 and he's wanting me to do something. There's something in me that's just ready to roar out and come alive, and there's something going on. And then I step outside that anointing, and, and, and there's the fear and all the accusations of the enemy. Come on. He doesn't just do that to me. He does that to you. It tells you, you're going to fail. Let me tell you. Let me remind you the last time you tried that. Let me talk to you get back in your box because you're a threat to me who am i but if i'm hearing from heaven and god's saying hey Dwayne, you're my son and i am well pleased with you now that doesn't mean i got to be perfect his love for me is not based on my behavior somebody because sometimes we disqualify ourselves into our future because of something god's already forgiven that's in our past god never wastes a hurt 
Who am I? See, I didn't know how to answer that. My father, um, just a few hours from where I'm at, when he was 15 years old, ran away from my drunken grandfather who was drunk on whiskey, white lightning, moonshine, who was trying to blow his head off with a shotgun. I'm only standing before you because my aunt jumped on my grandpa's back and held him down long enough for my dad to get out of range. Okay, so that's part of, is everybody with me? Okay. How many know that'll affect you? He went and ran all night through the woods. Got to his brother's house the next day, and within a day or two, he enlisted in the army. That's how he began his journey. Now, I can probably back it up from Grandpa John, and I, God only knows what he went through. See, see you notice, there's, there's, the Bible talks about a generational curse. It really doesn't have any power if we'll obey the Spirit of God. Is somebody with me? So we put a lot of power on the curse, and the reality is it has no power. Come on. Well, I watched my dad not know how to ever really resolve that. Can I just talk with you? And so we didn't know how to exchange love. I was married and off doing a revival. When I was in the middle of this revival, Pastor CTM, God's moving. I mean, miracles are happening. And I'm staying in the basement of the church, and I'm in there praying, and God says, write your dad a letter. I said, man, that had nothing to do with a revival. What? And he says, write your dad. And then I poured my heart out to my dad, and I wrote him a letter. And he got that letter. A couple days later, he called me crying and bawling. It's the first time I ever heard my dad say, I love you. Come on. Now, I knew he always loved me, but I never heard it. So what I'm saying is I didn't get some things that I needed. Somebody? Come on. Right? Is you with me? Now, I could have been the same way. Right? I had to fix something. If I didn't get it naturally, I had to go find it. Come on. Because sometimes we want to launch, but man, if I'm not healed, I just keep trying to launch. And what we have is failure to launch. Somebody with me, right? I just, I'm trying to do something, but I got to solve it. And I went and found a spiritual father. God just lit my life up, changed my life. I have amazing men that believe in me today. And now I don't need that so much anymore. I know who I am. Now, if you hang around with me, I'm, I'm a mess on the best day, okay? Pastor can tell you he's been around me long enough, okay? But, so I'm not saying I've, I've attained. What I'm saying is I want to give. I got it. I understand how important it is. I got it. I hope that's making some kind of sense. That's not my notes. That's just my heart, okay? Come on, come on. So you're going to look at this. Who am I? That's identity. If you don't answer that right, you can't do everything God's called you to do. Number two, where am I from? That's your heritage. Come on. I'm from Virginia. In Scripture, God said to Moses, he said, I know you. And he said, I know your father. And you know what Moses did? He hung his head. Because Moses had a father issue too. Didn't he? Everybody with me? See? No. And that's why I say all families are dysfunctional. Who am I? Where am I from? Who am I's identity? Where am I from is heritage. Right? Come on. Making sense to you? It's okay. But you got to be aware. Right? 
Because if I'm not confident and I say, well, this is just who I am. See, there's, 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 there's a whole transfusion that takes place in salvation. My identity is no longer the hills of Virginia. Somebody, right? My identity is in Jesus. And here's the third one. It won't keep us a long time, but I want you to hear this. All right? Oh, let me, let me pause. One more, one more thought right there on that. If I don't settle my heritage and I lose confidence as men, we can be present and not active. Let me, let me go a little bit further. Many believe that Adam was present when the serpent deceived Eve, but not active. We will be quiet when we should speak. We will be thermometers that tell the temperature of the house instead of thermostats that set the temperature of the house. Let's go a little bit further. In the marriage relationship, okay, between a man and a woman, man is the giver and woman is the receiver. And woman gives back to man nine months later what the man gave the woman to work with. Is everybody with me? So what am I giving my wife to work with? I'm the initiator. She's the reciprocator. But if I don't get my heritage figured out, I'm not confident. And early on, I'm just, I didn't, wasn't planning on bearing my whole soul to you like this. Just giving you my life. Early on, I, I know I married up. I know I married up. Long ways up. How many other guys in the house know that? Okay. I know my wife got glasses after the ceremony, and I'm really glad for that. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like, come on, man. I know it, but there was something about me that I was afraid anytime she was going to wake up and leave. In the early years of our marriage, I lived in torment. She's going to wake up and really realize what she got herself in for, and she's going to say, I'm out of here. So because of that, I couldn't work through conflict. Come on. I didn't dare bring something up that might be conflict because I was, and I was present, but not active. I had to resolve some things. Come on. And now I am present and I am active. And we're more in love today than the day we said I do. Come on. Number three. Number three. I'm just unloading my heart. Where am I going? This is the, where am I going? Where am I going? And that speaks to potential. Here's what I believe. Most Christians in America have settled into a church attendance mentality. What do you mean? What I mean is, go to work, check. Do the laundry, check. Mow the lawn, check. Go to church Sunday, check. Church attendance is not going to change America. In fact, there's nothing in Scripture really that told us to attend church. We're supposed to be the church. Right? And so in that, I believe most Christians die full. Full of dreams. Full of vision. Full of gifts that haven't been utilized fully for the kingdom. And I believe the only way we're supposed to die is empty. I would rather be, doing, I would rather be making mistakes than doing nothing. 
I really would. I'd rather every now and then I do something. That, I wasn't God. Okay, got it. <laughs> Don't do that again, right? But I'm, I'm going to keep doing something because there's, listen, deep calls to deep. I look in this room right now with you guys and every one of you, there is something yearning. You're talking about roar is the right answer. There is something in us that is just wanting to rise up and say, I can live that life. There's a potential in you. I want you to think about it. There is something in you that says, who am I? This is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And you might say, but I'm afraid. And but, 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 but. No, no, forget the buts. Go do it. Come on. Well, I've never done it before. That's what's so really cool. I think we should do something on a regular basis that scares the living daylights out of us. I'm serious. I, I think you should always do something on a regular basis that's outside of your comfort zone so that you never get to a place of being boxed in because that's where your potential lies. I remember as I was studying this, God brought me back to something I remembered. I used to be a manager of an auto parts store. I remember an older gentleman came in. I still remember his name. His name was Leo. And Leo came in, and he drove an old Dodge Dart car. You know, I'm dating myself now, aren't I? Okay. Uh, with the carburetor. Anybody remember working on carburetors? Okay. And, and he comes in with his like, six slant six, you know, and, and he's telling me he needs his carburetor re- rebuilt. And so I ordered him a carb kit for him to rebuild the carburetor. He says, but I want you to rebuild it for me. And I'll pay you. Okay, I'm young kids and always use some extra money. And I never rebuilt a carburetor before, but I'm not telling him that. I'm going to figure this thing out. And that was before YouTube and Google. You know what I'm saying? Right? I'm going to figure this thing out. And I remember getting that thing together, and I got home, and I got everything I needed, and I called one of my other guys who's a manager of another store, and he told me what to do. And, and I get that carburetor completely rebuilt and, and got it put back on. for. I'd never done that before in my life. And that car fired up and ran, and it was all just great. And I found out later he had confused me with another guy who was a great carburetor guy in one of our other stores. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I had never done it before, but I thought, we can do it. Yeah. Now, how many? Come on. Are somebody with me? Yes, sir. Come on. What have you not done? Yeah. What have you not done because you're afraid it might fail? What have you not engaged in service in the local church that will help release your potential? Because, see, the potential never gets released by positions but it gets released through serving and passions. You with me? That's a night and day difference. But I began to move. In what, there's a potential in you. Please don't die full. Come on. I'll wrap this thing up. Can I get somebody to come? The keys. You see, who you're hanging with has everything to do with your potential. Right? Everybody with me? Okay. All right. We doing okay on time? Are we all right? Hey, so unload my heart to you? Okay. It's a joy to be here. I've got a nephew right now. Um, a young man who's, um, star was a star wrestler in high school. Uh, he was good at anything he did. Put it in front of him, he was good at it. Uh, he's getting ready to go in the Air Force. And, uh, in fact, he went in the Air Force. And two weeks into the Air Force, they did a UA, and he came up dirty. He had smoked marijuana uh, right before he left. And his whole career was just tanked, and that's been years ago. Uh, since then, um, my nephew has been in and out of drugs and rehabs and Teen Challenge. And um, watching him go through Teen Challenge and, and graduate top. I mean, they'll tell me we've never had a student excel like him. He's smarter than he knows. He's called of God to preach the gospel. 
And as I stand before you today, he's in the county jail again. And uh, I don't know how much longer they, they may send him away again. I don't know. And um, he's very intelligent, called of God. Very stu- hard worker. He has all the traits that you would say, here's a young man who's successful. The one thing he didn't do is change his friends. Come on. If I got him around the right friends, he'd be pastor in a church somewhere today in America. He'd be achieving his potential. And I think he's going to figure it out. I mean, at the very least, he's going to be a preacher in the jail. Come on. And if he goes to prison, he's going to learn how to preach in prison. And I'm not the least bit disappointed in that, if that's what has to happen. But I'm telling you, find the right people that will help pull out the potential. Lid's getting ready to come off of you. So, I, I said a minute ago, I was talking about being proud. I am so proud of you. I just want you to know that. One of the exciting things, Pastor, for me to be here was to see him in his role. It meant the world to me. I don't know if you guys know, I, we were, I was here in October, maybe, right before you launched. It was a Sunday night. <laughs> it was a pretty significant night for you and Ellie. Am I right, Ellie? Yeah, your wife. You married up too. Um, but I'm just I'm proud of you to see you leading this house. And the lid's getting ready to come off of some things. Amen. Amen. In fact, lately, more than ever before, you've asked, man, do I really have what it takes in some areas? I think there's some areas of pastoring you've been just extremely confident. But there's been some areas you just deeply have been said, man, I don't know if I got this. And is that, like, fitting? Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but the lid's getting ready to come off. And you're going to tap into an area of God's anointing to solve things. And yes, yes. I hear him saying what has been really hard is going to become so easy, you're almost going to feel guilty about it. Hallelujah. Is that all right? I mean, I see that. I see that. And I'm honored to know you. Because I know the you today. I don't know about the you that the enemy always wants to remind you of, right? <laughs> I know the you today. And I would, I would serve under you in a heartbeat. Just so you know that. You're third generation, man. Pretty cool. Reached his ceiling. Grandpa reached his ceiling. Gave it his all. Come on. And tonight when he and I are talking, he's talking about the goodness of God, the goodness of God, the goodness of God. I love that. I so love that. Dad took off from that floor. And you're going to take off. But it's going to be a little different. Oh, it's a double portion. But your ministry, it seems like I said something over you last time I was here. Did I? You think so? Okay. See, good. Thank you. You make me feel better that you can't remember for sure either. Okay. <laughs> Not just my hair was slipping. Okay. The reality is, um, it's gonna, God, you're going to begin to seek the Lord for a very unique mantle of anointing in what God's calling you to. Same. There's an anointing being passed on, but it's going to be uniquely delivered. Sir, what's your name? Chris? Wow. Passionate servant of the Lord. Wow. 
Wow. But there's some passions in you to do some things. It's been there for some time. And you've, you, you help me if I'm wrong, but I think you've almost kind of just pushed it back at times. I'm, I don't know, God, if I can. I don't know if I can. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what happens in that is God will come along and just point it out. And that's what's happening right now. God's going to move you. He tends here. He tends this house. Hurricane? You can say hurricane? Okay. So God's, gonna, God's just going to move you out of your comfort zone and, and kind of launch you into some things. And, and you're going to realize a passion that's been there for a long time. And by the way, he says he doesn't even remember all the stuff behind you. So quit letting it dominate your thoughts. Is that... Usually, it's a little more, it's a little more fun when the wives are here because the wives are going, yeah, yeah, Jim, Jim. <laughs> But I see you smiling and just kind of, yeah, is that, is that you? Good. Chris, God has great things for you, man. Amen. God has great things for you. You're a good man, and you need to know that. Glory. Glory. How often are you preaching? What's your name? Jason? Which campus? Here? Okay. Called to preach? Called to preach? That's what I feel. (laughs) Okay, got it. Okay, your children's pastor. I can see it all over you. I see a pastoral thing all over you, man. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. You've broke out of some limits. Some pretty significant things. 